Hey guys, welcome to Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. My name is Luis. And I'm Scott. Welcome to today's podcast. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. Today, we have Scott back with us. Hey guys, it's good to be here with you guys. I'm excited for the episode. Yeah, and so today, we're going to be talking about BLESS, Blessing Our Neighbors and the BLESS acronym. The BLESS acronym uh, stands for Beginning with Prayer, Listening, Eating, Serving, and story, telling the story of Jesus. Uh, we want to be a people that are blessing our neighbors, blessing the people in our uh, in networks and uh, spheres of influence. And where this fits in our disciple-making process is, you know, one of the things that we've seen is as we, uh, along with other study disciple-making movements throughout uh, of the world today, is that before disciple-making movement is a disciple-making movement, it is first a prayer movement, right? Mm. Uh, and a disciple-making movement, for those of you who are new, uh, is defined as a church or an organization that consistently sees disciples being made to the fourth generation, and you can look up Second uh, Timothy 2.2 to find that. But it is first a prayer movement. Before disciple-making movements yeah. are seen, it is first a, a prayer movement. And so we begin... Our disciple making, uh, uh, you know, continuum with prayer and fasting. We're listening to God and we're asking the Lord, where is He at work and how we can join Him? And then we go to living as pe- everyday people on mission. And then we start to live out these blessed rhythms, focusing, you know, where we live, work, play, worship, and learn. Yeah, so the B of the blessed rhythms is begin in prayer. As we've said and as we will continue to say, we obviously begin in prayer and fasting. And that's something that's a regular rhythm here at the Simple Church Collective. But for the blessed rhythms, we want to pray for for the Lord to reveal who we need to interact with, who we need to seek out. That's a missional prayer. where on mission is God right now and how can we join and, and who needs to be in that, be involved in that and, and listen, you know, and our prayers need to be intentionally uh, geared towards listening to God, you know, have a little contemplative prayer time and, and, and listen to the voice of God. So that's, we begin in prayer. So, and then we go to like engaging our people and, you know, in the network of relationships that God yeah. is calling you to. You've already heard him. You've already said, hey, where are you at work and where do you want me to join you? And and, and at this point, we're, we're hoping that the Lord has given you, you know, whether it's your neighborhood or whether it's your Give co-workers. Some clarity on, on the mission on field. On where, yeah. right, specifically you're being called to. Um, and then when you're with the people that Jesus has called you to, listen. Just listen. Well, b- before you can help others find Jesus, just listen. And, and, and listen for their hopes. I love this. This is, you know, one of the things that Jeff Vanderstel, we had him on the show here a couple of weeks ago, um, has said, to, you know, you got to listen. Here specifically in the Seattle area, he said a lot of your evangelism will come as a result of listening, not speaking. Listen for their hopes. Listen for their pains. Mm. Listen for their challenges. And listen for their dreams. Pay, pay attention 
to what God is doing in their lives. Pay attention, you know, to to what's going on in the world that they live in and 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 join God at work in those places by praying with them, but listening, listening. You know, a huge under underutilized tool in evangelism. If you can, you know, some somebody once said it, you know, if you can listen to 90% of the time while you're with someone else, hopefully by the end of the time, that ten, the last 10%, you'll have something, you know, constructive to say, something that is fruitful, something that is from the Lord. Mm. So as we've begun in prayer, we've listened to our neighbors, we move to eat. Probably my favorite part of the Blessed Rhythms, eating food. Uh, we're Americans, we like to eat. You know, it is what it is. Um, we did an episode on hospitality. Go back and listen to that if you have not. Um, but open your house up. Mm-hmm. Host people with a meal. Provide a meal for people, um, whether it be a, fa- a family coming over or kids in the neighborhood, whatever it may look like. Eat with your, your spiritual family. Eat with people that are your neighbors that may not yet be a part of your spiritual family, but they're on the way. They, they're still in the early process of their discipleship. And don't be afraid to throw some parties in there too and, and just celebrate with people. But eating is core to the blessed rhythms. Yep, for sure. And, you know, right now at, at, at the time of taping this, we're still in the middle There's of... There's still uh, some COVID guidelines yep. that might make that weird, but... You know, follow your local COVID guidelines. You know, we're never going to say, you know, do your own thing or whatever. You know, follow in the spirit of love, follow your local COVID guidelines. And um, and and it might be challenging to do this particular part in this time. But ask the Lord for creativity. Ask the Lord how you may be able to do that. So we've begun in prayer. We, you know, are focused on listening when we're around the people that Jesus has called us to. We, we are eating with them, you know, and finding creative ways to do that, uh, you know, depending on where we are with COVID stuff right now in this season. And then we're looking to serve them in tangible ways, right? Serve people in your family. Serve people in your extended spiritual family, in, 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 in your micro-expression in your simple church, you know, um, and in the places where Jesus has called you. One of the one of the things that we did uh, when we first moved to our neighborhood here just north of Seattle um, is we um, realized that we moved in and it was clear, you know, I moved like it was like a 26-foot truck, so you couldn't miss it. And, you know, all of a sudden, overnight, the decibels in our neighborhood in, like doubled, you know, like, cause we have four little kids and all of a sudden, you know, like we were the loud household, you know, <laughs> and, and we noticed that none of the neighbors came over to like welcome us. Right. So we we're like, man, we had heard, you know, that breaking into the community was going to be a little bit hard and, uh, that the culture where we lived, you know, we live on a cul-de-sac, um, was, you don't really see your neighbors. Everyone kind of hides in their castle. And when the only time you do see them is when their garage door goes up and they put their car in their garage and then the, the garage door goes up again in the morning when they go out and have, head out to work. And so we had that in the back of our minds. And then it was beginning to be true uh, when we first moved into the community. And then we're like, well, we're here. Jesus has us here on mission. You know, we are big hospitality people. They're not coming to us. So we got to go to them. 
right? Um, and so Melissa, early on, I think she baked like 180 cookies one Saturday morning in July. We moved in the neighborhood in June. By July, we're like, no, nah, we've had enough. We need to meet the neighbors. And so she made like 180 cookies. And I think there was like 17 um, houses on our block. So we divvied up all the cookies between, you know, the neighbors on the block. And um, one of the things that we said, we, we want to meet the neighbors. How can we be creative about meeting the neighbors? And, you know, 17 neighbors on the block. We bought some Costco disposable plates and some of that saran wrap that sticks uh, to give to all the neighbors. But to the neighbors that were immediate in our, at the top of the cul-de-sac where we live, we um, decided we're going to give them real plates because we wanted to meet them. We wanted to connect with them. And what we did was uh, we went to the local thrift store and we just bought like plates for like a quarter or 50 cents, bought the nicest ones they had. And then we put those, we put cookies on those plates for our neighbors, hoping, you know, that they would come back and that mm -hmm. they, you know. They would want to return the plates. Well, yeah, that they would return the plates. And so, so we waited. Connect, yeah. yeah. So we went out on, on, on like a hot July morning. Like we're dragging our kids on like this radio flyer looking kind of pull wagon. And we got four kids. You guys will remember the oldest wanted to be in it. I'm like, you weigh too much. There's a hill <laughs> at the bottom of this cul-de-sac that I cannot pull you up. And so it, at first they were a little nervous. We take all the kids took turns ringing doorbells because we the goal was to meet our neighbors and to bless them and to yeah. give them these chocolate chip cookies that Melissa had made from scratch, by the way. Mm. And um, um most of the neighbors didn't come to the door, right? But we left them a plate of cookies and our information saying, hey, we're the new neighbors at the top of the hill. You know, um, uh, this is who we are. And I gave them my number. You know, they could call me and they know that we're in the community. So the disposable plates obviously didn't come back. <laughs> a couple of days later, after we went through the neighborhood, and, and mind you, at this point, it was a hot July day here in the Pacific Northwest. The cookies, I don't know if you've had... Uh, chocolate chip cookies in your car before, um, but they st the chips start melting, and so like the saran wrap is kind of like melting onto the cookie, and we drop these off, um, and eventually, a couple of days later, um, the plates start coming back. Mm. The first plate that came back came back with some snap peas and some raspberries. He said, hey, this is from your neighbor two doors down. That was awesome. Now we have a way to say thank you to the neighbor two doors down. She had brought us snap peas and raspberries from her garden. We ended up meeting her, and, you know, till this day we have a very good relationship with her. In fact, uh, we left that summer um, on sabbatical, and she ended up house-sitting for us, uh, dog-sitting for us, uh, being part of that team that, mm -hmm. that kept the house that summer. We knew nobody, um, but we knew that she knew the you know, previous owners, and, and, and we trusted her. And so she took care of our dog. Then other things started to come back. Um, our neighbor, who was part Filipino, came back with some lumpia-looking uh, things, seemed like kind of banana egg roll-looking things, which, which were amazing. Then our other neighbor, one day we were trying to leave the house. It was like the next weekend. And we were about to leave the house to go do something, and we get a ring at the doorbell. And it's our neighbor who is part to Laylup, which is a local Native American community. And she comes over with fry bread. She comes over with fry bread, and um, and 
we just decide to like chuck our plans because it's starting to happen. The people are starting to come back with the plates and we're mm. starting to meet people. Uh, you know, we sat there and we kicked it with that family for about an hour. They're like just there and letting us know like we're also believers. Like, you mm. know, um, we had a really good relationship with them until they moved about a year later. Um, but their kid would come over and like, but this really cool thing started to happen. One of my neighbors, um, I know it was him because I got all the other plates back and they all had stuff. But my one neighbor brought back the plate empty. And I know that he just left, you know. And that was one of the neighbors that we had the hardest time connecting with at first. Um, but when, you know, here during COVID, like, I started connecting with him. Uh, he had this idea of, like, starting, like, a cul-de-sac fire uh, in a chimenea that he had. So at the top of our cul-de-sac, we, we started a fire, and he and I started a relationship. He had uh, a eight-year-old boy like we did, and the boys weren't playing, and so we figured a way to kind of get him to start playing, and now every day, his son and my son are playing. We're talking about stuff. He helped me put a new clutch in my truck uh, a couple months ago, and we're looking and starting to have um, these spiritual conversations. Service, service, and that mm. opens doors. I mean, simple as cookies or whatever the Lord is putting on your heart. Mm. Then we get to the final S of the blessed rhythms story. This is the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, the story of how Jesus has changed your life, the story of Jesus uh, as God and, and fully man being the sacrifice and savior of the world, the king of the cosmos. This is the story that we get to share with people. As Luis mentioned, he gets to have spiritual conversations with his neighbor now. He has yeah. that relational equity to do that now. Right. The story of Jesus can be told in bits and pieces. And, and your, your own story as and well. And your story of how Jesus has transformed you, how your life has become different. Yeah. And, and this is the point of the bless rhythms. To get to this place of people coming to discover Jesus and, and they get to learn through relationship with you. Now, I want to say that the blessed rhythms is, you know, I don't want to treat this as a formula. It's right. not a magical formula. Right. You know, you do this in six weeks or in six months. This is the result. Or, you know, it, it's not a formula. It's not a math equation. But it is a process that I think helps us um, be everyday Jesus followers, everyday missionaries, everyday people on mission. And this allows the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. And, and if we give uh, to, to God, to allow God to work through these rhythms, um, I think that this is just the beginning of our disciple-making movement, disciple-making pathway. Yeah, and, and I think it really opens doors for us to do other things. I mean, and we hold this intention, right? Like, because we're living on mission and at the same time, we recognize, and we've talked about this, you know, is that people are people, not projects, right? Yeah. And so it might take some time, um, you know, some people, it might take years for you to be able to get to that spiritual conversations. Yeah. And that's okay. Everyone's on their own timeline, right? And so you're recognizing that, yes, we live on mission, and yes, we want to win, right? And we want to accomplish, uh, uh, you know, and take territory for the kingdom of God. But you're not doing that at the expense of um, relationship and you're not doing it you know, like intentionally obviously the gospel will offend people when you get to that part you know like 
I'm not saying shrink back from the gospel, amend the gospel, add to the gospel, take away to the gospel. No, but do keep in mind that you do, um, that, that people are people and that they're at their own. And part of like being emotionally healthy, people living on mission every day is recognizing that you don't have to manipulate others. You just have to join Jesus at work where he is working. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. Stay tuned as we release episodes each Wednesday. We'd appreciate it if you would like, review, share, and subscribe our podcast. Thank you for listening.